even though Halloween is still ten day, only ten days away, now it's time the the time uh, to start thinking about Christmas. At least when speaking of poinsettias and Christmas cactus. Uh, no, I'm not one of those put, that puts up their Christmas tree already. But uh, there, you do have to do some pre-planning if you want your uh, coupled uh, plants to be in full bloom come Christmas time. And now is the time to start thinking of it. Now, uh, neither plant will bloom for Christmas on its own. They have to be forced. And both the Christmas cactus and poinsettia uh, require very similar care in order to force them into bloom. But let me start this off by saying, and I do this every year, and I'll mention it many times this year, the poinsettia is not a poisonous plant. Uh, for some reason, it's gotten a bad rap uh, recently, and a lot of people think uh, poinsettias are poisonous. They are not poisonous. What they are is high in latex, and if somebody has a latex allergy, then it might become a problem. But uh, the uh, plant itself is not a poisonous plant to have. Okay, that being said, uh, both plants, in order to get them to bloom, uh, should be kept indoors in a spot where they get at least 10 hours of bright light followed by 14 hours of total darkness every day. And both uh, time, both the bright light and the darkness are critical for, uh, in order for this to happen. Uh, you can't just leave a plant in the dark and expect it to come into, uh, you know, force it into bloom. It needs the light just as much as it needs the dark. Now, room temperatures should be around 65, no lower than uh, 65 to 70 degrees for the poinsettia. But uh, it can be a little bit cooler than that for the Christmas cactus. Uh, you can go as low as 55 to 60 for the Christmas cactus. Now, creating a totally black area can be difficult. And it just can't be placed in a dark room because the light from a street light down on the corner coming in through a window could be enough to keep the plants from going into uh, full bloom quick enough for Christmas. Now, I found the best way to uh, do this is to place a large box over the top of the plants during this period. And uh, you can, if the box has any uh, gaps to it, you know, just cover it with some uh, black construction paper, and you're going to be good to go. And that way there, you're not you know, picking up the plant, moving it back and forth from rooms and stuff like that. It could be out in the light. And uh, then you just cover, you know, the plant up with a uh, box, and it's good for another uh, 10 to 14 hours. Now, this needs to be done for six to eight weeks before you want the plants to be in bloom. And uh, so, you know, that's something you got to really start thinking about doing it now. Now, uh, once you do this, uh, the result is going to be the plants uh, coming into bloom. The poinsettias rocks will start turning uh, bright red in color. By the way, uh, poinsettia flowers are not red in color, or white for that matter. They're yellow. Uh, what you see, uh, those bright, brilliant red leaves, or, you know, uh, petals are actually leaves to the plant, or they're called brocks. And... Uh, 
Yeah, the uh, flowers themselves are not that showy. They're right in the center of the brock, and they're uh, usually a bright yellow, but they're so tiny that you barely even see them. Now, uh, this goes for any color uh, poinsettia, whether you have a white or a pink or a red one. Now, the cactus will start pushing buds. Once uh, leaves turn uh, red or the buds are formed, leave it out in the brightly lit area, but not in full sun. And uh, that should take care of it. Uh, It's a little bit of pre-planting. And personally, I've always thought it was fun to do this. I don't need to do this for uh, the Christmas cactus I have at home. Some people have Christmas cactuses that know to bloom at Christmas, but they're not all that way. Uh, there's many different varieties of, uh, uh, cactuses. Uh, they call them Christmas or Thanksgiving or Easter cactus. And, uh, they're all varieties of the same plant, but they all have different blooming times, uh, come, you know, in nature. Mine actually starts blooming right around Thanksgiving and it'll bloom right through, uh, Christmas. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. And just, like I said, a little bit of pre-planning. Okay, that does it for talking about Christmas this early in the year. Uh, I'll probably mention this a couple times more, you know, coming up in the next week or so, but uh, let's get through Halloween. Okay, we've got a couple of callers and uh, one open line at 608-785-7914. Let's go ahead and jump right over the phone lines. Now we have two open lines at 608-785-7914. Good morning. You're on the Plant Doctor Show. Who's this? Hi, this is Jim. Hey, Jim. What can I do for you? I got a question about um, evergreen trees I have. I think they're cedar, a type of cedar, but they grow up from a main trunk, and then they split, and then there's other trunks that go up. And uh, I have a lot of them, but... A lot of them are starting to split at that, uh, I guess you'd call it the crotch of the tree. Okay. And is there a way to, uh, I mean, can you wire them to yes. together or tie them so they don't split, or is that just silly? Okay, uh, no, it's not silly, and yes, you can. Uh, how thick are the trunks? Well, like at the bottom, they'd probably be a good uh, not, 10, 12 inches. Not at, at the bottom, but at the split. No, they're not split. Then they grow up, and then there's, you know, another part that would grow up, and then there's a split there. And I lost one last winter with some heavy snow. And I'm just wondering, because a lot of them have splits, but they still are growing. Like, you can see squirrels going in the split. Okay. Uh, uh, Without knowing how thick it is uh, where the branches are splitting off at, uh, the best way to do that is to go ahead and you need to use galvanized uh, material too. Okay. That's number one. Yep. And go ahead and get, uh, a screw eye or two screw eyes actually, and pop them into yeah. the uh, trunk, you know, into, uh, branches as they're going up and then get yourself some aircraft cable. You can pick it up at any hardware store. It's, uh, yep. usually like stainless steel. It's very hard to cut. Uh, you're going to have to uh, get a pair of bolt cutters to cut the stuff with. And, or a grinder, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to uh, need a uh, tensioner. And you put the tensioner in the middle, and you run your aircraft cable uh, to it. Uh, and they have little uh, doohickeys that you can use to uh, attach it with. 
Uh, yep. Usually it requires a wrench. And uh, once you get the things attached, you go ahead and tighten that uh, tightener up, and you're good to go. Now, oh, all right. a lot of people uh, tend to think that the tree grows up further from that point, and that's going to pull against it as, you know, the tree is growing up. And that's not the case. The tree grows from the top up. Top. So okay. if you put uh, this tensioner at six feet high, it will always be at six feet high. And hmm. if you use galvanized material, it's not going to hurt the tree at all. Okay? Perfect. Thank you. Okay. Good luck with that, Jim. Mm-hmm. Take care. And that gives us one more caller and two open lines, 608-785-7914. Good morning. You're on the Plant Doctor Show. Hey, good morning. I got a question for you. I bought a uh, pear tree at Menards last spring, okay. and it really hasn't done anything all summer. It looks kind of the same. It's still about the same height, green leaves on it. Okay. I mean, shouldn't it have grown some? It, it does have green leaves. Yep, no small green leaves on it yet. Okay. Uh, the first year that you transplant the tree, generally you're not going to uh, see that much growth to it, uh, especially if you're getting it from like a uh, either Menards or, you know, any of the hardware stores or, you know, the, where they're selling them out in the uh, parking lot. Now, what one of the things that I always recommend is going uh, to these uh, stores and buying them this time of the year because they're really cheap because they need to get rid of them. And uh, the trees are usually fine, but they are going to be stressed, so they're not going to put out that much growth. Now, right after popping into the ground, if it was uh, planted in the fall, all the growth goes to the roots, and that's what you want. And if the tree still has green leaves, that's a good thing. Uh, now you don't want to fertilize a tree when you first pop it in the ground either, because, uh, that will cauterize the roots shut. You want to allow them uh, to grow and to be able to take in water. So waiting, if you do it, transplant the tree now in the uh, fall, you can start fertilizing it the next spring. And, uh, that should start, you know, uh, enabling the tree to push a little bit of new growth. But if left on its own without any fertilizer, it's probably going to stay, it's going to have really slow comeback and uh, to where it's going to start, you know, putting out new growth because the tree's got to anchor itself. But uh, if you're starting to fertilize it and, you know, that's going to go to both the roots and the top growth of the tree at the same time, uh, it should be uh, pushing up some uh, growth that, you know, uh, year. So yeah, I, I just worry about watered it. it all year. I haven't fertilized or anything on it yet. What area are you in, sir? Pardon me? What area do you live in? Uh, Lacrosse. Lacrosse. So, okay, so you've got pretty sandy soil out there? Yep, pretty yeah. sandy. Yeah, so the tree's probably got not that much to work with. So I would go ahead and, uh, you know, uh, you can, I would not fertilize it now. Never fertilize in the fall. Uh, because that's like giving a kid uh, a big slab of cake right before bedtime. just doesn't work too good uh, because the tree is supposed to be hardening off its growth now, uh, you know, when, uh, for winter to come. And if you wake it up and say, hey, here's some sugar, and it starts growing nice uh, supple growth and a freeze comes in, you're going to wind up doing a lot of damage to the tree. And that's actually how acid rain hurts uh, trees. It doesn't burn them like people think. It's uh, fertilization at the wrong time of the year. But, Interesting. Yeah. 
but uh, go ahead and uh, plan on just uh, starting uh, putting in some fertilizer rock come next spring. You could use either spikes and pop them in the four different directions right around the drip line of the tray. Uh, or you can go ahead and use, you know, like a water-soluble fertilizer. Uh, smaller trees like that, you can go ahead and use miracle Grow and just mix it up in a five-gallon bucket and drench it with it, and it should do fine. Awesome. One more quick thing. It's a single pear plant. Will that bear fruit? It should. It should. A lot of people think, uh, okay, uh, you have to have, t- you know, a male and a female plant uh, in order for her to uh, bear fruit. <clears throat> as long as there's another one within like five miles of where you're at, generally it's going to get fertilized. Uh, so it, you don't have to have plants right on top of each other uh, in order for that to happen. Okay? Great. Appreciate it. Enjoy your weekend. Okay, you too. Take care, sir. And that's going to bring us to our first commercial break. We'll be right back here at 1410 WYZM, the Plant Doctor Show, in just a minute. If you got a question, you can go ahead and give me a call or shoot me a text. The number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. And we are back. And, uh, you know, I might have to take a swing over to warming trends, too, myself. Uh, I had just moved into a, a new place, and I've never had one of these high-efficiency uh, wood stoves before. And uh, while mine isn't pellet... Uh, it is, uh, you know, regular firewood, but I've never had one of these you know, forced air fed stoves, uh, and such, and they burn a lot different than, you know, the good old fashioned cast iron boxes where you threw, you know, throw wood in those things there. You just, you know, it was easy You set the, uh, amount of, uh, air going in, you shut the flue, uh, you know, accordingly, uh, you know, close it, uh, up a little bit. And you're good to go. There wasn't really that much to play uh, around with, but this is going to be a learning process for me. Yeah, uh, not last night, but the night before, uh, went ahead and you know, I did like I used to do in you know the, those old-fashioned uh, stoves. I threw a bunch of logs in, got a fire going, really good. Then I went ahead and shut her down. And uh, where, you know, I shut down the amount of air that was uh, going in. I figured that would be, you know, good. And it would last, you know, the evening. And, boy, was I surprised at 2 o'clock in the morning when it was 87 degrees inside my house. <laughs> wow, that thing throws heat. And, yeah, I'm going to have to learn how to use these uh, stoves. Uh, it's totally different than using an old-fashioned stove. It'll save on, you know, uh, my electric bill and uh, my wood bill. That's great. But I don't want to live with uh, 87 degrees inside my house. I, I like being warm, but not that warm. But, yeah, take a uh, swing by warming trends out there in uh, on Alaska. Actually, it's right on my way home, literally. So uh, swing by there today and uh, see what they have to say. But outside, there's still plenty that has to be done. And... Uh, one last effort at weeding is definitely going to help improve the appearance of uh, your garden throughout the winter. Uh, you know, looking out over your garden, not many people think about looking out at a garden in the wintertime, but you do. And if you got a bunch of weeds looking out there, it looks trashy, where if you go ahead and you pick those weeds, you know, get them out of there, even if it snows and there's a, uh, you know, blanket of snow on the ground, it looks so much neater. 
So get out there and, uh, you know, get some weeding done. Uh, the ground's softer now that we've had a little bit of rain. So uh, they should pull out pretty easily. And also any weed that you can eliminate from the garden this fall will possibly prevent thousands of weed seeds from sprouting in the garden next spring. So uh, also turning the soil over in the garden right now will help kill off any of the uh, weed seeds or insect eggs that you know are in the top layers of soil. Now, you do have to be careful of your plants that are, you know, the plants that you want, though, so be careful with them. But if you have, like, a vegetable garden, go ahead and till it right now. Uh, if you need to uh, throw, you know, do any amendments to the soil, add some manure to the soil, uh, like the farmer's doing across the road from my house, wow, that manure can really put up a scent. Uh but you do that now, and you till it into the ground, and no, no, not only does that mix the uh, uh, manure into the soil, it also brings up weed seeds and insect eggs and stuff like that up to the surface. So uh, the cold temps that are, you know, coming will kill them off. And you know, it's a multi-purpose uh, thing going on there. Plus, it also hides the smell of the manure quite a bit too if you till it in. But uh, those are a couple of things we cannot be thinking about right now. Uh, what I want to talk about when we come back after our news break is uh, something that you should be doing coming up pretty shortly. And that's spraying anti-desiccant sprays on your plants. Uh, not all plants need them, but a lot of plants do. And with the past uh, few winters that we've had, I've been seeing a lot of winter kill out there, and this will help uh, keep that from happening. But we're going to go ahead and take a break. If you happen to have a question about anything green or growing, go ahead and give me a call or shoot me a text. Number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914, and we'll be back in a few minutes. And welcome back to the Plant Doctor Show. Uh, we're down here at Wisdom uh, every Saturday morning from 10 until 11. And if you have a question about anything that's green or growing, please don't wait to the end of the show because I always get this flurry of phone calls right then, flur uh, phone calls and texts, and I can't get to everybody. So uh, right now would be a great time for you to get through. With a question could be about your lawn, garden, trees, shrubs, houseplants. Uh, maybe you've got some damage uh, to your lawn and you're wondering if you should bother seeding it now or how to go about doing it the right way. Or maybe brought in uh, some houseplants and they're just not looking too hot. Uh, the number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. And let's see. Good morning. You're on the Plant Doctor Show. Who's this? This, this is Randy calling. Hey, Andy. How's it going? And, and I got a question about lilacs. When's the best time to trim them? Right after they get done blooming is the best time to trim them. But if uh, you're trying to thin out the bush, which is uh, different, uh, because if you prune the bush now, you're going to be cutting off all the uh, buds, which will be set for next year. Uh, the very baby buds that are, you know, you can barely even see them. Uh, and then you won't have a bloom next season. But thinning it out is a different process. And that you should do every year around this time of the year. And the best way to do that is by cutting out a third of the old branches that are in each bush. 
and each year you cut out a third, and that will uh, pro- you know make the uh, plant uh, produce more growth. It'll become much happier and healthier bush since you're not going to have all that old wood on the uh, inside of it. Okay. Oh, oh, yeah, that's perfect. But and I, I want the trees for tomorrow, and they mentioned doing it in the spring. Is that correct? As far as pruning or trimming them? Pruning, uh, you want to prune it back after uh, the uh, tree uh, blooms. You're going to have a bunch of uh, dead flowers left on the tree. And uh, you go ahead and prune back at that point. And, you know, throughout the season, it's going to push out some new growth. And it's at the tips of that new growth that you're going to get your uh, flower uh, blooms to come. So if you do it too late, you're not going to have any blooms next year or the following year. Oh. Okay? Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much. Okay. You have a good day now. And uh, please, if uh, you come on the air, it's great to, uh, you know, listen to uh, whatever they're doing on the air, uh, you know, on your radio. But as soon as you get uh, your phone call answered, please uh, turn down your phone or turn down the uh, radio, rather, because that feedback gets really annoying in our ears. Okay, we got two more callers. Uh, Let's jump back over to the phone lines. Good morning. You're on the Plant Doctor Show. Who's this? Hi, this is Jesse. How are you? Hey, Jesse. Doing pretty good. What can I do for you? Well, I got a question. I'm kind of just starting out as an amateur uh, gardener here, and I grew some strawberries over uh, this last summer or whatever, and I'm kind of (laughs) wondering what I do to prepare them for the winter. Okay, this is where they get their name strawberries from. Get some straw. What's that? I said this is where they get their name strawberries from. Get oh, okay. Some, get some straw and cover them over with it. Uh, you don't have to use straw. Any light mulch will work. Uh, you, okay. And uh, the reason being, strawberry plants generally have, their root systems are not that uh, hardy in this area. So uh, you do want to uh, cover them over with a uh, something that will act as a thermal blanket, and that will make it a lot easier on them. Uh, for the winter, right, and you can go. So, ahead. how thick would you say I would put that? You know, if I put some strip hay or straw over the top, about how thick of a? Not very thick. I'd say okay, an, an inch at most would be fine. Uh, okay, it does not take much to make a thermal blanket on the ground. If uh, sure. you've ever gone out in the springtime and you're doing a little bit of cleaning up. And, you know, raking, and there's a piece of paper that blew over from your neighbor's garbage pail on the uh, ground. And, you know, it got wet and pasted down to the ground. And you go to uh, pull up, you know, move that paper, and you find out there's ice underneath it where the rest of the ground sure. is thawed. It's, all it takes is that little uh, layer of oxygen be- or air between whatever it is on top of the ground and the ground. And that is what creates the thermal blanket. So uh, thickness going up is not as uh, big of a uh, difference. As long as you have that little layer of oxygen down there, you're good to go. Okay? All right. Thank you very much. Okay, no problem. Good luck with that and enjoy. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. And that brings us down to one uh, caller and two open lines and no texts. If you got a question and you're a little bit shy and don't want to be on the air, go ahead and shoot me a text. Uh, anything green or growing, uh, the number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914.
Good morning. You're on the Plant Doctor Show. Who's this? Yes, good morning. This is Daryl. Hey, Daryl. How you doing? Pretty good. What can I do for you? So my my lawn is surrounded by red pines and white pines. Okay. And as you probably as you probably know, they shed their needles this time of the year. Mm-hmm. I'm worried that if I don't get those pine needles picked up off my grass, that my soil is going to get too acidic. Okay. Um, what What's your take on that? Okay. Actually, I was going to talk about this later on in the show. Uh, so oh. this is a great thing for you to bring up. Uh, yes, they uh, the pine needles will turn the tr- uh, lawn aesthetic, without a doubt. Uh, any leaves okay. can uh, do that, but pine needles are notorious for doing that because all the yeah. uh, turpentine that's inside of them. Now, yeah. the way you fight about fight against that is, number one, pick them up or, you know, rake them out, get them out of the, there. You can blow them pretty easily as long as they don't get rained on and uh, get them yeah. out of there. But, you know, throughout, your soil is still going to turn acidic closer to those pine trees. Now, the way you fight that is with limestone, spreading limestone. And oh. this is not like, uh, it's not like spreading fertilizer like most people think. Uh, fertilizer you put down you know, between two and four pounds per thousand square feet. Limestone's between 20 and 40 pounds per thousand square feet. 40 pounds, you said? (coughs) Excuse me. Took a sip of water and it went down the wrong pipe. Uh, Yeah, uh, if a lawn has already turned acidic and, uh, you know, you've got moss growing in and uh, such like that, Go ahead, and yep. you can put your limestone down at 40 pounds per thousand. Uh, a regular okay. maintenance dose, uh, or if your lawn hasn't turned acidic yet, you know, uh, you're just worried about it uh, going acidic, you can go uh, 15 to 20 pounds per thousand. But okay. uh, you can go a lot higher, like I said, you can go a lot higher than that if it has turned acidic. And uh, okay. you know, it hasn't been done in a while. But uh, yeah. it, uh, now there's different types of limestone out there, too. There's the old farmers, you know, that white powdered lime. Uh, that's called granular lime. Uh, yes. I don't recommend using that on your lawn. Uh, number one, that takes a lot longer to break down than the other uh, limestone that's on the market, and that's pelletized lime. And okay. everybody thinks, okay, it's pelletized. It's bigger pieces. That means it's going to, you know, take longer to break down. That's not true. Uh, it's... Definitely bigger pieces. They're about the size of fertilizer pellets, if not a little bit bigger. But it yeah. is ground super fine. I mean, like, you know, cement fine, and then formed into those pellets. And as soon as uh, some water hits it, uh, be it dew or rain or what have you, uh, it falls apart and it works its way down into the soil. Now, when you, okay. when you lime a lawn, it's not going to have an immediate effect. Uh, like fertilizing a lawn. There you're uh, feeding the plant. When you're liming a lawn, you're making a chemical change to the soil, and that can take months to happen. And that's why most people do it this time of the year because, you know, you get it down now, uh, you stand a lot less of a chance of burning your lawn, and, uh, you know, you've got the entire winter for it to uh, take effect. So uh, putting it down in the fall is about the best time. And using the pelletized lime is so much cleaner. Uh, using that powdered stuff, especially yeah. on a day like today where it's windy out, you're going to get it in your eyes. It blows all over the place. The pelletized, 
goes down a heck of a lot better. Okay? All right. Well, thank you so much. No that problem. helps a lot. No problem. You have a great day, and have a good time doing that. You too. Thanks. Oh. Bye now. And I know this sounds weird, but I've always... Whoops. Drop. Why isn't it dropping it? Drop. There we go. Okay. Uh, we're going to have to take a break here, and we'll be... Uh, we got a couple of minutes, uh, so I can go right over. i got a couple of uh, text questions coming in. First one is, I've got a Macintosh apple tree that is probably 10 years old, has never had a blossom. I threatened to cut it down. He told me, no, don't do that. I don't know what to do with it. It's been fertilized. It's just never blossoms. Okay. Uh, it doesn't blossom? That's very strange. Uh, is it possible that it has got does not get enough light? Uh, apple trees do require uh, full sunlight uh, in order to bloom. Uh, you could also uh, head it up with some fertilizer in the springtime. Uh, you're saying you fertilized it, but it, uh, not with what it was fertilized. If you look at a package of fertilizer, it will have three numbers on it generally. Uh, say 1824-12, just to pull some numbers out of the air. The 18 stands for nitrogen, the 24 stands for phosphorus, and the 12 stands for potash. Uh, what helps uh, when you uh, get a plant to bloom is the middle number, the phosphorus. So uh, you want that to be a high number. So uh, something like 20-40-20 would be uh, great. Uh, Schultz has uh, one like that. It's called a bloom buster. And you can go ahead and pop that in the, uh, you know, water it in. And uh, I would do it in the spring just as the leaves are starting to uh, appear on the tree. You don't want to do it before that. And because the uh, tree will need the leaves in order to process the food. And that should help out quite a bit. Okay, uh, we've got one, a couple more questions here. Let's see. What do you do for hydrangeas this time of year? Okay, it depends on the type of hydrangea that you have to answer that question. The regular snowball type hydrangeas, you know, the most common one, uh, you want to prune them back as soon as they get done blooming. Uh, I know a lot of people like leaving the uh, snowballs on a plant because even, you know, dried up, they still look decorative. <coughs> but if you wait too long, still choking on that water. If you wait too long uh, to do the pruning, uh, it won't have a bloom again the following year, the same thing as the lilac. So you want to go ahead and uh, prune them back right after they get done blooming. Now, that's the snowball-type uh, hydrangea. If you have one like Terry's Special Bush, which is called a peewee hydrangea, these are different. Uh, they are really cool plants, and I always made fun of Terry's, but in secret, and I hope Terry's not listening, I really like this plant because it was cool. Uh, the plant changes colors throughout the season. Uh, the uh, Any hydrangea you can change the color to just by uh, adding uh, lime or sulfur to the uh, soil. You add uh, limestone to make them pink. Uh, you add sulfur to make them blue. But this one here would start off as light green flowers. That would turn bright white 
I mean, I'm talking about cotton bedsheet white. And then the flowers would turn pink later on in the summer. And towards the end of the summer, you know, uh, the late summer going into the fall, they would get this deep burgundy, or not burgundy, but a deep burnt pink color to them. Uh, they're really striking bush. Now, this bush also defies every bit of logic as other hydrangeas go. You can prune this thing after it gets done blooming. You can bloom it in the, you can prune it in the spring, summer, fall, winter. I don't care. It's still going to bloom the next year. Uh, I've never <laughs> that bush had a mind of its own. And if they are, I know a lot of places uh, sell them as low-grow hydrangeas. Don't believe it. These things get, uh, I started cutting mine back when it was about eight feet tall the first time. And we let it get up to about 12 feet tall. And then I pruned it back again. And I have no idea how big these things would grow if just allowed to uh, push out. But they do get big. Okay, uh, we got one more caller, so I'm going to go ahead and jump over to the phone line, and then we'll get back to that other question I have in the text. But if you have a question, go ahead and give me a call. Shoot me a text. The number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. Good Dr. morning. Good morning. You're on the phone, Dr. Show. Who's this? Uh, hi, this is Mark calling. Hey, Mark, what can I do for you? Well, uh, I thought I heard you last week on the show say that uh, now that fall is here, we should be cutting our lawns at about two inches of height. Is that true? And if so, why is that? Okay, uh, let me run you through the entire season, and that'll help you. Let's start out uh, early spring. You can go ahead and uh, cut your lawn at an inch and a half. uh, Well, an inch and a half is kind of low for early spring. Uh, You want to cut it about uh, two to two and a half inches long. That'll allow it to, uh, you know, thicken up and uh, green up for you. Uh, come summer, uh, and later spring into the summer, as it starts getting warmer out and less likely to have rain, you can allow it to grow longer. And this will reduce the amount of stress on it. And uh, later in the spring, you can bring it up to uh, three, three and a half inches. Late summer, you can allow it to go up to about four inches. And everybody says, well, if my lawn gets this long, it's going to look shabby shabby because it gets really tall and you know it looks like mm-hmm. a shag carpet that's not true it will be true for the first uh, one or two times you cut it but after you uh, cut it like two or three times it's going to look beautiful even if it's four okay. inches long now you uh, allow the lawn to grow at that height during the uh, later summer uh, months that way there you have a lot less chance uh, for there to be stress on it uh, the more leaf material means uh, the more food that's being processed for the plant. That'll help it fight against, uh, you know, diseases and, you know, drought stress and such. Now, going into the fall, it's not going to need all that uh, much, uh, you know, guarding against, uh, you know, stress and such. But you don't want to cut it down short right away. So uh, going into the fall, you start dropping it back down. You bring it down to about, you know, if you're at four, bringing it back down to two and a half to three, and then your last cut should be uh, short enough to where you're not cutting into the ground, but leaving the m- minimal amount of grass plant above the ground. And uh, that way there, you'll have a lot less damage to it over the winter. Now, there is a disease that hits over the winter called snow mold, 
and it's notorious for uh, people that leave their grass long because uh, underneath all the snow and ice, you get this layer of nice, damp ground, and that's where the mold will uh, take effect, especially come springtime uh, when we start having the rains, and you get this moldy stuff that will, you know, if the grass is long, that gives an awful lot of uh, area to grow on, basically. And uh, by cutting it short, you're taking that away. And also, uh, the snow and ice will be nice and uh, tight up against the ground itself. Uh, you're not going to give it that airspace that will be needed for the uh, mold to uh, take off. But uh, oh, got it. Okay. So that's the uh, heights for the different time of the year and the reasons why you need to do them. that help you? Okay, but, but, but not uh, two inches until the very last cutting then. Oh, no, two inches you can do now. Uh, the last cutting, you want to bring it down just so you're not scalping it. You don't want to scalp okay. one in the last cut. But two okay, inches. and that does no damage to the lawn, cutting it that short? Nope. Uh, okay. uh, right. If you've got a really bumpy lawn or something like that, uh, you know, of course, that would be different because you're going to be scalping in areas. But, yeah. uh, if you know, if you have a normal lawn uh, where, you know, you can cut it down to two inches without scalping it, now that'll be fine this time of the year. All right. Thanks for all your advice. Okay. Good luck, and you have a great uh, weekend. Thank you. You too. Thank you. And that's going to take us uh, to our break, and we'll be right back here at 1410 WIZM in just a minute. But uh, we got one more caller coming in, so let's jump over to the phone lines. And I think we have one more text waiting, too, at 608-785-7914. Good morning. You're on the Plant Doctor Show. Who's this? Uh, Mark. Hey, Mark. What can I do for you? Uh, About four or five years ago, we had a... uh a tree line put in for privacy. Okay. Um, and in that line, most of the trees are, are star power junipers. Okay. And then there's three or four white spruce that were planted mm-hmm. here and there. Okay. Uh, we, two weeks ago, uh, I think we had a bad windstorm on a Friday up here in Holman. Mm-hmm. And um, 80... Two of the trees, two of the uh, white spruce trees, about 80-plus percent of the needles blew off. No kidding. Yeah. Were they brown? Um, What's that? Were the needles brown? No, they were not. That's weird. That's really weird. Uh, Um, I've never heard of that There is still some green on there. Um, I've been watering them kind of a little more. Okay, um, there is a disease, uh, and I'm, I can't say this uh, for certain without examining the tree, but there is a disease called uh, needle cast. Uh, it's diplodia is the name of the disease that uh, makes the needles drop off. And I'm wondering, and white spruce or, or spruce trees are uh, very common for getting it. So I wonder if that may be the problem and the high winds just, you know, exasperated the issue and, you know, took the needles off. Uh, that's a distinct possibility, but I can't say for sure for it happening, but I can't think of any other reason why it would happen. Mm-hmm. And if uh, treating the tree, about 80% of the needles are gone, those trees are probably dead. Very honestly, they're not going to make a comeback. 
because they're not going to grow uh, needles uh, over the off the old wood anymore. Uh, if you did start treating the tree, and if it was a small enough tree, uh, you know uh, where it's going to produce uh, viable growth where you want it, uh, you can go ahead and treat it and you know, uh, be happy with what you have left. But if it was already creating that uh, privacy offense for you, I'm unfortunately, you're out of luck, very honestly. Mm -hmm. If it's dropped that many needles, the tree is not going to make a comeback for you. What would you suggest replacing it with that's going to be maybe more uh, disease tolerant? Um, And privacy and size. The uh, pines that you have uh, are susceptible to uh, diplodia, but not as much as the spruce is. Uh, <clears throat> a good uh, privacy uh, type of tree, uh, we had another caller before, uh, cedars or uh, arborvitae do an excellent job. And they're pretty uh, disease-free, too. <coughs> they won't grow as okay. tall. But uh, they do give you a nice, uh, thick privacy fence. Okie doke. Okay. All right. Thank you. You're quite welcome, and you have a good day, sir.